Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brennan Black, and today, unfortunately, my co-host could not join me, but I am joined by a very special guest. With me, I have a good friend of mine, Hunter Seymour. Howdy. <laughs> so Hunter here, um, I'll let him talk a little bit more about himself, but he's uh, heavily involved in FFA and 4-H. Um, he's part of the agriculture industry, and, and he's a uh, friend of mine that I think uh, has a lot to say about the agriculture industry and both of those organizations. So uh, without further ado, Hunter, I think we're just going to jump straight into the interview here if you're ready. Yep, sure. Right. All right. So uh, first of all, why don't you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your affiliation with these organizations? Well, of course, you guys know my name is Hunter Seymour. Uh, 16, I attend LD Monte High School, and I am heavily involved with the FFA chapter there as long as Elbow Creek 4-H. Uh, in FFA, I do citrus competition. I'm going to start doing cotton. I love doing the uh, speaking competitions. Mm. Um, then with 4-H, oh, and in FFA, I do hogs and rabbits. In 4-H, I'm involved in the shooting program, and I'm the junior leader for the shotgun program, and I've been doing that for about six years now. Wow. So before I move on, how many rabbits do you have? I used to have 120. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. used to have 120, but I'm back down to only having two. Oh, jeez. So, all right. <laughs> well, that's uh, definitely interesting. How long have you been involved in FFA, 4-H, and just agriculture in general? Well, um, my family's always, my dad works in the citrus industry, so mm. I've known ag all my life. But uh, I got into rabbits probably eight years ago. I've been an eight, nine-year 4-H member. Gotcha. Um, and I started FFA when I became a freshman in high school. Got it. And just to clarify, LD Monte is in Visalia, California. I'm not sure if we uh, <laughs> mentioned that. I just like to clarify that because we have some listeners that aren't from around here. Oh, so okay. just just cool. just to let them know. Um, so what would be, which like I said, this is mostly geared towards FFA, but if you have any 4-H things you want to bring in here as well, that's fine. Um, what would be your favorite memory that you've made in your years of, of FFA or 4-H or yeah. both? Um, you know, there's been a lot. Um, probably for me, the FFA part is state conference easily. Mm -hmm. I get to meet members from across the state. Um, met some awesome people from up north, up by Oregon. One of my, I met one of my best friends through shooting that happens to be in FFA as well. We'd hang out at state conference too. Mm. But 4-H um, is probably one of the biggest ones. Came back from a national conference, shooting conference from there. And those are pretty much family to me now. Mm. All those 32 other delegates from across the nation. Wow. And we learned leadership skills, gun safety. That's great. All right. Um, so with a lot of people that I've interacted with in the FFA organization, and I'm not sure if this might be applicable to 4-H as well, um, it's often there's something that motivates them to stay with the program and to get as involved as they are. Because, I mean, you obviously have the students that aren't going to stick with it, or if they do, they don't really do a whole lot. They're kind of just in it just to be in it. Yeah. Um, what has motivated you to become as involved in FFA and 4-H as you are and to stick with it for all these years? Well, what's made me stick, honestly, is my dad's motivation. Mm -hmm. Teaches me the importance of agriculture, and being an FFA has taught me that. 4-H mm -hmm. not necessarily has taught me the importance of it as much as FFA has. Right. FFA is a lot more agricultural based. Um, like I want to be an ag teacher. That's one of my aspiring goals in life. I want <laughs> to teach. Yeah, I want to teach other. <laughs> I want to teach other kids the importance of ag, uh, what it means to everyone. Like you couldn't have the clothes on your back right now if it wasn't for the agriculture industry. Right. And there's a lot more than just raising cattle and picking cotton. There's right. a lot more to it. <laughs> 
Like I always say, it's more than cows and plows or beans and seeds. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> All right. So um, you said that you have become more familiar with uh, agriculture as a whole industry, with the importance of it uh, yes, uh, through your father and through uh, FFA and that kind of thing. So that being said, what would you say is the biggest issue facing agriculture today? Honestly, one of the biggest issues is people not knowing the importance. Mm-hmm. It's I easy because people just don't know. Like a story of mine, one of my friends, she went to a school, um, I think in uh, somewhere on the coast, I think up north. It was Monterey Bay. Mm-hmm. She went to a college up there and uh, some people asked, Are, is your dad involved in ag? And she said yes. And they said how stupid of a job it was. And she was like, why? And they go, well, you can just buy your food from the store. You don't need farmers. <laughs> And that was a, a legitimate thing. That, yeah, <laughs> people actually said that, and she was baffled by it. Oh man, people just don't know. Right. So if we get that message out there of the importance of it and mm. why we need it, because the population's rapidly growing. They right. say by twenty fifty we're gonna have close to like eight point five billion people. Nine point seven. Nine point seven. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're right now we're at seven billion people. We're almost at eight. Eight billion. Yeah. See, it's just it's crazy by. 2050s it's gonna be a crazy world it absolutely so. is and uh what you, your little story there reminded me of um i don't know if you're familiar with the canadian i guess it's prime minister or canadian president yeah. uh, <laughs> trudeau oh Lord. so yeah. one of the comments he made which i'm not trying to bash the leader of canada yeah um because that's for another episode but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of the comments he made is that uh, Canada should no longer, I think it was in regards to NAFTA and uh, President Trump's um, renegotiation of NAFTA, which I'm not sure what the status is on that. I need to kind of go back and redo my research because mm-hmm. last time I looked at it, we were still in NAFTA. I'm not, don't quote me on that, but I'm not yeah. sure what the renegotiations are. Anyway, um, the Canadian leader Trudeau's response to um, this whole issue is that can, uh, can I almost said Canada. Canada <laughs> uh, should no longer rely on American farmers because they have grocery stores. And so it was just oh. one of those things. It was just like I don't know if he was just saying that, like because like he accepts that there's Canadian farmers and they, they don't. I'm not sure if like he was just saying they don't need America because they have yeah. Canadian farmers, or if he really didn't understand that American farmers are what grow his food, exactly. and that like um, grocery stores, you know, where they get the food, that he, he probably doesn't know. Exactly. So it was just kind of one of those things, and. Um, I think it was Eric Wilson. One of the guys on, on My Job Depends on Ag posted about it. I saw it, and I was just, you know, like like with your story, I had, I had to facepalm. It was just yeah. it was kind, of, <laughs> kind of crazy to think about that the leader of a country doesn't understand where his food comes yeah. from. But, yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you on um, what the biggest issue facing agriculture is. That's why we had this podcast. You know, yeah. we're, we're trying to promote that, that idea, um, which you – actually answer my next question is going to be what your what your career aspirations were and yeah. you know teaching agriculture mm-hmm. i think that's awesome because that's what i want to do too yeah. so we, we need more of them oh yeah definitely. um yeah so i think we've partially gone over this um we can we can hit it from both the in the future and right now perspectives but yeah. in what ways do you help agriculture in in terms of uh bringing public awareness um, or bringing information to the public or uh, that sort of thing or helping in terms of industry growth or what ways would you say that you're beneficial to agriculture? Well, beneficial, I'm not, I don't know a lot, a whole lot about the ag industry. Mm. It's not like I've grown up on a farm. I mean, <laughs> for insurance purposes, I did technically air quotes, but like, I don't know a whole lot, so I don't want to be saying stuff that I don't, but right. um, fun story. When I used to, when I used to show rabbits a lot with my brother, um, a lot of people would ask us about um, like, why do you do this? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the p- point of it? Um, so I'd explain to them the importance of showing rabbits. I mean, you wouldn't think it's that big, but there's a 
the, the I'm sorry, I'm stumbling on my words right <laughs> no, now. Right. But you know, just going around showing people are asking you questions like why why are you doing this? And it's right. like it's bringing awareness to the public. Mm-hmm. Just like I've been saying earlier. There you get PETA. Like I'd show at o- Orange County Fair in LA. Mm-hmm. People are like, Oh, this is where we can't cage animals and it's like I'm taking care of it. That's what you're doing, bringing right. awareness. Right. Um probably a better example than the rabbits was pygmy goats. Okay. People ask like what's the purpose of them? Because pygmy goats, like at normal like Torrey County Fair, for those of you that show at Torrey County Fair, you know that you can't sell them as meat. Right. They're just, uh, you keep them and you show them for as long as they live. Mm-hmm. But in some countries like Africa, they, they make them for meat. Right. And some people can and slaughter them for meat. Mm-hmm. So you just, you got to bring awareness to public. Where, where does the meat come from? How do you raise it properly? Mm-hmm. You know, all that, all that fun stuff. But. So you were saying this kind of follow up question I just thought of. Um, so you're saying you were involved in speaking teams as well. As yes, part sir. Of the what does that, what speaking teams are you a part of? And does that in any way, um, kind of progress your education of agriculture, progress your ability to teach others about agriculture? Hmm. You know, um, my freshman year I started out with Creed, mm-hmm. and that was probably my the funnest one I'd been to. <laughs> uh, memorizing those five paragraphs is always uh, such a great time, you know. I don't think our Clary kids would agree with you, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, Sorry, Coin. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, not a lot of people would agree with me. I, I enjoy the challenge of speaking. But, mm. you know, going over, I believe, in the future of agriculture. Right. The, just those lines alone and going through the rest of the creed has taught me the importance, how to spread it, why it's important to not only ourselves but America as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's just it's b- better myself to speak to others. Mm-hmm. Like beforehand, before before my freshman year of high school, I couldn't go to the Tulare County Fair and just talk to people about, oh, this is why the citrus industry is so great. Mm. I couldn't do that. Right. Uh, I'd just be like, it's it's an orange. <laughs> <laughs> have fun eating it right but now you can tell exactly what damage has been to that orange you can tell because yeah. we did such a judgment together yeah. so you should know and going off the creed it's just people would always ask like I remember one of the questions um, there would be an old man on an elevator and he'd see you in your blue jacket and go what's the importance of it mm-hmm. like why why should I believe in the FFA why should I donate to the program right because what it used to mean was the future farmers of America right and that's still I believe that's what we are mm-hmm. And but we're not exactly farmers we're just ag. We're mm-hmm. the ag kids in general. And you don't have to be, like, growing plants and crops. You can be in the, like, bioscience. You can, right. You can be doing whatever. Right. It's agriculture is a huge um, system. And, you know, there's a lot you can do in it. Mm-hmm. And it's not only about spreading the word of agriculture. It's actually doing something. Right. If you want to change the world, you have to put actions into it. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, so... I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> hey, you're a good man. <laughs> no. I have to. Yeah, no. Um, so when you were talking about um, the creed, I just want to go over this real quick. When you're talking about the creed in that first line, I believe in the future of agriculture, mm-hmm. which, full disclosure, I didn't do creed. I, I tried out and I <laughs> wow. didn't make it because oh, okay. we had tryouts <laughs> for creed. So um, I was voluntold. Yeah, no. I was, creed is the only team we have tryouts for. Everything else, you just do it by Creed. Wow. We had tryouts for because we Tulare takes Creed almost too seriously in my opinion. But <laughs> again, sorry Kawan. <laughs> um uh it's just something that I because I've sat in after doing extemporaneous and um yeah. no I, having friends that did Creed, I've sat into a bunch of Creed practices and I've been asked to judge Creed, not like on like the actual like levels, but like for, for tryouts. I've been asked yeah. to judge Creed. So I had to listen to Creed um quite a bit. And something I've noticed with every single kid that succeeds in doing Creed is in order to actually succeed with that with that uh, speech, you have to believe it. 
Yes. You can't just go in there and just say, I believe in the future of agriculture and not believe it and expect to win. You have to fully, you know, wholeheartedly believe in the words you were saying yeah. in order for it to mean anything. And if it doesn't mean anything, you can't really, you know, formulate a, a proper um, vocalization of that speech. Exactly. No so, empty words. Right, exactly. So I think that it's kind of important that people understand that when you say that um, doing creed was your favorite activity and doing creed taught you a lot about agriculture and taught you a lot about the importance of speaking out, I think it's important that people realize that that's not just because you like talking. It's because those words mean something. Exactly. And that they they all have something deeper than, even though I didn't do creed, the FFA creed still applies to me. And, it's, exactly. and it still applies to all of people that are involved in agriculture in any way. Like you were exactly. saying, maybe not necessarily the actual farmers, but, you know, the bioengineers, the, mm -hmm. you know, the accountants, the exactly. anybody involved in agriculture, yep. they have to believe in that future of agriculture in order for their livelihood to thrive. Exactly. So that's just something I, I thought was kind of important to, to touch on. It's just, yeah. you know, not just the, the speech itself was was um, helpful to you, but the meaning behind it is, yeah. is what really drove that, um, that education. So anyway, um, I was going to ask you... Like I said, you answered one of my questions earlier about your career aspirations. I was yeah. going to ask you how agriculture impacts that career, but it's kind of self-explanatory. Yeah, You're going to be teaching agriculture. Yeah, just a little bit. Well, because I wasn't expecting that answer. But anyway, um, kind of, like I said, we kind of brushed on this earlier. One of the things I really want to um, get your answer to is what, maybe not everything, but what have been some of the most important things you have learned from FFA from 4-H from your years um, around agriculture from your dad maybe just in general your years um, in these in these programs in these leadership teams maybe not necessarily just about agriculture itself yeah. but just about you know, leadership or one of the most important things I've had to learn yeah it's a hard one or I mean, one one of the most important things you've taken away from this is maybe may, may a better thing about it way, yeah. way of looking at it well going away from the FFA thing a little bit um one of the things that I've taken away from my time in the 4-H shooting sports is just being a not only being a good leader, but setting a good example for yourself. Mm -hmm. And going to that national conference, they, they teach you how right. to uh, just teach kids how to be a good, like teach kids how to shoot. Not only shoot, but it's what can they take away from your leadership? Right. What can they learn from you? Because mm -hmm. sometimes some kids they don't want to just look at the scores. They right. just want to have fun, mm -hmm. but they have to stay safe at the same time. Exactly. So your example of what you do goes a long way. You mm -hmm. don't know when you're, you're practicing outside of 4-H and one of those little kids could be there watching you. Mm -hmm. If you're breaking the rules that you set yourself, you just kind of toss contradicted that. everything. Yeah, you contradicted yeah. everything you've been teaching those kids. Yeah. So just what I've taken away out of my time as a junior leader is you have to set the best example. You don't know when anyone is watching you. That's true. So that's that's one thing that one of the biggest things I've taken away. Which I think that's something that's very good to have taken away from those experiences. Exactly. It's something that is actually kind of unique and, and surprisingly that we don't usually get a whole lot in these segments. Mm -hmm. Like you know, most kids say, "Oh, I took away responsibility from having shown animals, or I exactly, took away yeah. um, you know more motivation for getting out there and actually working." And, yeah, and those are know, good things to have. Right, but it's it's very rare that you get that consciousness of your example that you're setting mm -hmm. that you really get away from i'm glad that you brought that up because that's yeah. something that's not really talked about a whole lot it's something i think needs to be talked about more it's just yeah leadership is immensely important but people always there's this old quote i don't remember what it's from now i'll have to see if i can find it but there's an yeah. old quote that says um oh it was from one of the speakers at state conference he said that leadership is not 
knowing what to do and expecting people to follow you. Mm-hmm. Leadership is having the ability to. What was it now? Uh, it's, I, I completely blanked. You remember the leader, but you forgot the quote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically, leadership is not about having people. Um, it, leadership's not about knowing what to do. It's not about having people follow you. It's about being able to admit when you're wrong. Being able to. Ign- yeah, being able to acknowledge when when other people are depending on you and not you know just crumbling under the pressure or not trying to act like you're the best at everything. Yeah, like, exactly. There's a, there's a certain amount of humility that has to come with leadership, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that a lot of people overlook when they think of leadership because they think of leaders as these big, strong, charismatic people that can never do any wrong, and that's not at all the case. I mean, exactly. You and I have both been in leadership positions, and we both probably made mistakes at some point. Oh yeah, everyone definitely. does. Everyone does. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just like one of those things that leadership you have to just own up to your responsibility and own up to your mistakes and just and just say hey you know what i messed up let me fix this and let me teach you a different way or um you know what i i may have broke the rules don't do what i do it was you know just one time um it's not gonna happen again because like you always have like i mean i've had teachers that even they do things that are against their own rules and i call them out on and they say well um you're supposed to you know it's monkey see monkey or uh, not monkey see it's um What's the what's the um, do as I say do not not as I do? That's yeah, the word. Do I said as I say not as I do. Exactly. So yeah. it's just like that. That's really hypocritical. I don't really like how that sounds because like, why shouldn't I do what you do? If you're like, actions speak louder than words. So why yeah. should I follow your words and not your actions? Exactly. Your actions are the ones that are, are what I'm going to learn from the most. Yeah. And so it's just like one of those things. Like I said, I'm just I'm glad that that was touched on more than just you know kind of the cliche. Oh, I learned dedication. Oh, I learned motivation. Yeah. Or I learned. Um, you know that I like to talk or mm-hmm. you know learning to set an example is way more important in my opinion than learning to just get out of bed every morning and do your work exactly have you heard uh, have you watched the Band of Brothers I haven't it's, uh, it's about World War 2 okay. it's about the 101st Airborne okay. and one of their, their one of the guys that was in that platoon mm-hmm. uh, his name was uh, Winners okay so he started out, you know, just going through the camp, uh, boot camp, just mm-hmm. like everyone else. But uh, his his leader, he died on the D-Day landing because oh, they're wow. paratroopers. So as they made their the jumps, right. uh, his their leader was killed. Mm. So he stepped in and took his place. And he wasn't the type the type of guy that would just bark orders and right. then just sit back. He was the kind of guy that said, "Follow me, trust me. We're gonna get this done." Mm. Uh, one of the one of the big things that he did his first time leading was when he took charge of his. Uh, team um he had, they had to take out german flat guns mm. and instead of sitting back like people they're scared for their lives and they don't want to lose their lives mm-hmm. so they'll sit back okay you go you guys go do this right what he did was he grabbed his rifle and he said we're going to take out those guns <laughs> and he charged right in with the rest of his men wow so and it takes it's not only just being selfless and willing mm. to sacrifice your life for the greater good but it's just showing your men that i'm here with you mm-hmm. and i'm not in the back just barking orders and leaving Right, exactly, and that's what made him such a great leader among his men. Among his men, right, because they looked up to him and said, "He's here with us. He's not in the back, and we're waiting for his orders. Mm-hmm. We can, we can count on him. Right, we can depend on him." Yeah, no, exactly. There's, I don't remember what movie it is. I don't remember if it's like Remember the Titans or it's some football movie. Oh, yeah. Remembering <laughs> the Titans. Yeah, yeah. I it's, think that's what um, it was. there's uh, there's this this part in it where um, there's like this football coach, mm-hmm. or no, it's not the coach. It's the it's the captain of the football team. Um, his coach wants to take away his captain status because he doesn't understand his teammates because he doesn't like one of his teammates or something like that. He doesn't know how to get along with them. And so it's um, one of the things that his coach tells me. He says, 
um, a great leader understands every weakness and strength on his team and, ex- and understands how to exploit them. Yeah. If you're going to be a good leader, you can't just expect everyone to follow what you're doing and know how to do it already. You have to yeah. understand their weaknesses, their strengths, and you have to be part of the team, not above the team. Exactly. A, a leader has to be able to put themselves on equal grounds with everybody else. And mm-hmm. that, that was kind of like part of the point I was trying to make earlier, which having trouble finding the words but um, yeah. you don't you don't want to seem like you're better than everyone else if you're going to be a leader you want to seem like you're equal with everyone else you just know what to do in a sticky situation that's what a good leader can do exactly is, you know they're no higher no lower than anyone else they just they understand everybody else and they understand yeah. you know okay well maybe this one guy isn't as good at climbing as this other guy but he's better he's faster with his hands so he can reload the gun faster so we'll put him on the back line having having him reload well this guy's gonna be the one that's doing the heavy lifting and like you know it's it's just a matter of understanding every single person's strengths and weaknesses that way you can exploit their strengths to the point where they're gonna be an advantage and you don't let their weaknesses show to a point where it's gonna hurt the entire team because if you're gonna be a good leader you have to be a unit you can't just be you and then a bunch of individuals that you just tell what to do. You have you all have to work together, exactly. And, and the leader has to be part of that. And that's something that I think is 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 really important. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's one thing. Uh, just that's what was amazing about uh, Sergeant or Major Winters. Right. That point at the end of the war, he was a major. Um, his men counted on. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's in the military, there's usually like a chain of command. There's all the different ranks. Right. But there's usually that one soldier that everyone like respects. Mm-hmm. He was that guy, but there was another guy. His name was Spears, Lieutenant Spears. This guy was okay. ruthless. Um, he actually said he was. He actually called himself that. There are stories about him, what he did on the battlefield, and he wanted people to respect him. Mm-hmm. But he didn't do that just to scare him and say, "I'm I'm the biggest baddest guy around here." Right. But you know, he just got the job done. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the stories is uh, they were in the. Um, they were in one of the forests, not the Ardennes. I forgot. I forgot Bastogne. Okay. They're in one of the forests of Bastogne, and they had to take a village, and the Germans occupied it, and he had to get from one point of the village to the other, mm. get A team and D team to come together so they can finally take out all the Germans. Wow. But he had to run across the village that was crawling with had I mean a couple Panzers, Oof. bunch of Germans. Mm-hmm. He just sprinted straight across the field, <laughs> and it was funny because in the movie it, it was explaining how. Their Germans didn't know what was happening at first because mm. they couldn't believe it. Right. That an American was just running past all of them. <laughs> and they were shooting at him. He didn't get hit. Wow. And he jumped over the wall. And what one of the soldiers said, the greatest thing about him was he actually came back. And huh. he jumped back over the wall after he talked to the D team. And he ran all the way back. That's insane. And that's what makes a good leader. You can, de- Like I said, you can depend on him. Right, absolutely. Everyone can trust him. Absolutely. And gets the job done. That's crazy. Huh. All right. Well, I'd recommend that show. Yeah, no, I'll have to, I'll have to watch it. What did you say it was called? Uh, Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers. I'll have to watch it. Yep, it's on uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime. If you okay. Have yeah, I have Amazon Prime. So, there's one last question I have for you. Oh boy. And it's a question I want to start asking every person I interview, which mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think I ever asked Luke. Um, obviously, you go over like the what's the most important issue facing agriculture and like all like yeah. basic stuff. Yep. There's one question that I want to start asking everybody because everyone I'm going to be interviewing is going to be an FFA member or a former FFA member of some kind, yeah, or 4-H or whatever, but they, everyone's familiar with FFA. So the question that I have, which is I, kind of ironic, you, got, you actually brought it up earlier, and I thought of this list before this interview, so it yeah. wasn't like it was scripted or anything, but my question is, what does the blue FFA jacket mean to you? Oh, man. You know, that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of different meanings. People have different interpretations of what the jacket means to them. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think the jacket has one meaning. Mm-hmm. It anyone can interpret it any way that they wish. Right. And you know, national blue, corn gold. Right. Uh, the blue, the blue jacket. Honestly, it's the future. Mm. Um, you know, there's a JFK quote that I'd like to look at. I can't remember <laughs> it off the top of my head, and I don't want to feel like slaughtering it. But um, I'll, I'll look for it here in a second. But you know, it's the it's the future. Mm. You're future farmers. Right. And now that we're not only farmers, we're anything in ag. Right. That's what honestly, that's what the jacket means to me. We're representing the now. Yeah. So that we can make the future better. Mm. We're doing more with less. We're working against the um, people who we're working against the people who are against agriculture right. and are against us. Right. So that that's what it means to me, honestly. And I'm huh. gonna look for that quote right now. It's ahead. pretty I'll, nice quote. I'll give you a minute. Um. So, yeah, the future, the present, the progression of of not only an industry, an organization, but a nation. You know, just. That's very interesting. I mean, you're absolutely right, because if you think about it, we had our name changed in 1989? I, I can't remember. <laughs> I always get that date wrong. I always say it's like 88 or 89, and I ended up finding out it's like 98 or something weird like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it's just like, it was, ever since that name was changed, it was changed because people didn't want it to be, or FFA members didn't want to be associated with just farmers, because we're... Exactly. We're more than that. We're more than that nowadays. We're... You know, we're agriculturalists. We're, we're involved in something much bigger than ourselves at this point. Exactly. And Like I said earlier, it's not just growing the crops. It's working in the laboratories. Right, absolutely. I mean, every, every which we know that every job depends on ag, as much as some people like to deny it. Every single job, every single life depends on ag. Exactly. But there are some jobs that people just don't even think about that their entire existence is dependent on agriculture. Exactly. And they don't even think about it that way, but that's absolutely true. I mean, I found out um, not too long ago, which I don't know if I ever brought this up on an episode or not, but I found this old picture that I took from Fair like two years ago. Mm-hmm. There was like this this uh, poster, and it had all the byproducts that um, are produced off of cattle. Exactly. One of the things that I saw that I was really interested by was they use keratin found in um, cattle hooves to make the fluid they use from a fire hose. Or really? not a fire hose, a uh, fire extinguisher. So like... Yeah, all the stuff that the firemen use. So firemen jobs depend on agriculture as well without even knowing exactly. about it. Like, I didn't even know that stuff was, yeah. was in there. But, I mean, there's a lot of crazy applications for things. Like, you can't even take medicine. You can't eat hardly anything. You can't drive a car with other seats. You can't do anything without something depending on agriculture. Exactly. And so it's just one of those things. I think you're absolutely right in saying that the, the jacket represents not only the future, but just more than, than what it appears to be. Yeah. Did, did you find your quote? <laughs> thought it, it I don't think it really goes with the, the topic now looking at it no, that's right. it was different uh, changes the law of life and those who look only to the past or present are certain to miss the future I mean that's abs- that's absolutely true yeah um, I mean if you think about it if people even FFA members if they continue to think about us as just farmers and they refuse to look at the the vast majority of people mm-hmm. who aren't farmers that are in FFA now yeah then they're the ones that are missing the the big picture there and then there's people who are obviously they ignore that we have a history founded upon agriculture mm-hmm. and they even by looking by ignoring that they're missing the future yeah. there's there's a lot to be taken away from that quote yeah did, and you, did you get that from impromptu just no did you do impromptu i thought you I, did. yeah i did okay. actually my, my quote from impromptu was uh abe lincoln it was uh um i think it was it's on my i think it was on my instagram but oh. i already forgot it <laughs> See, um 
uh, I don't know, it was something about um, whoever you want to be. Oh, okay. Um, but I remember, um, you were at State Conference, we were delegates last year. Right. At the, was it the 89th Annual? I believe so. 89th Annual California State Conference. Well, uh, when our now uh, State President Matthew Rosa, mm. when he was answering the questions, I remember saying, like, how can we, like, strengthen the whole state? Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, we can bring our greatest strength is our diversity. That's true. That's what he said, because, you know, there can be us, like, the, like you're, I'm guessing, you're a dairy kid, right? I'm just more or less. I'm, I'm more beef, but beef. Okay, I, beef I, I, kids, work, I work on dairies. Okay, so sorry. Yeah. You know, I, I away. I'm a cattle kid. Okay, cattle kid. <laughs> so, cattle kid, you, you probably don't know a whole lot about what goes on up north. No, like, not, not a whole lot, no. And, you know, there could be a lot of things. Um, like, you know, for certain areas, like here, like Porterville, Exeter, mm-hmm. a lot of citrus goes on. Right. But that probably doesn't happen a lot up north. Right. Um, I mean, and like, like what like, Matt was saying, fruits, the so. diversity. Mm-hmm. Of certain strengths, um, we can cover our weaknesses, like we were saying about a great team. Right. The captain, which in this case is, I wouldn't say exactly the FFA state officer team, mm-hmm. but maybe the um, government of California. Right. You know, covered our each other's weaknesses, strengths. Like right now, we right. could use the water. <laughs> probably, <laughs> yeah. probably better us. Yeah, but... I'd say that that's a fair statement to make. Yep. <laughs> yeah. See, if we just covered each other. Right. Um, as a state, if. Let's say someone down south needed the resources that people up north had. We could just help each other out and boost the economy as a whole and the mm-hmm. ag industry. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. And now that you say that, I remember Matt saying that mm-hmm. on stage. And it just sounded like something a president would say. I mean, it's exactly. just, <laughs> it was yeah. kind of funny. Um, but, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right in saying that, which I hadn't really thought about it before. But, mm-hmm. I mean, different areas of California grow different commodities at, yeah. you know, in different rates. And it's like we were talking about before this episode. Like, when we went to nationals, I mean, there are kids who don't even know that California is an ag state. And we're <laughs> exactly. the top ag state. Yeah. And so it's just like, I don't, like, it's just one of those things people don't understand because we don't use that diversity to our advantage. Exactly. I mean, we're the number one citrus state in, mm-hmm. is in the country or the world? Uh, I believe... Country or world, I think Florida is right behind us. With Florida that. is right behind us, but Florida doesn't match up. No, no, California is such a big state too. It's it is to like back and forth. we and we have the most fertile soil in the entire country, yeah. possibly the entire world. I mean, that's why so it's many true. settlers decide to stay here because we have fertile soil. So it's like yep. we have all the advantages in place for us. We just need to know how to use them. And right now, I mean. One of the things I always say is it's kind of ridiculous for farmers to fight each other because yeah. we're all in this together. Like, we have to depend on each other, and there's so many people against agriculture, we can't really afford to be against each other, too. Exactly. We're all on the same team. Right. We don't need, I wouldn't call it a civil war, but just, like, we need to stop all the conflicts. Right, which I understand. There's a lot of um, differences in how people like to grow their food, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. I understand that there's a competitive market, and that's fine as well because that gives us better products. Yeah. But when you have other farmers trying to shut each other down, and especially with this, this comes into the whole labeling issue that we talked about in the last episode, which I know you didn't catch it, but no. um, you'll have to go back and listen to <laughs> oh, it. Oh, right? I, I definitely will. <laughs> and the whole labeling issue, the reason labeling is even an issue is because by labeling something, um, like let's say you label chicken hormone-free, it's not legal to give hormones to chickens. Exactly. So if you have a chicken labeled hormone-free, you have a chicken that's not labeled, you're automatically going to assume that that chicken has hormones and you're not going to buy it. That's hurting other farmers. And, you know, in reality, which I know it's not the farmers putting labels on these things, yeah. but it should be up to the farmers to try to work more together and try to help mm-hmm. each other out uh, more than just trying to shut each other down all the time. You know, yeah. buying out each other's 
land, which it, it makes sense for financial reasons to buy out each other's land, obviously, but like don't try to screw over another farmer when it's not going to help you that much. Exactly. I mean, we're all kind of diminishing as a population in terms of agricultural, in terms of agriculturists in comparison to urban you know, urban dwellers. Yeah, I, I think the number of farmers is decreasing. I don't know what the rate is right now. I think it's wasn't it two percent of all Americans are farmers. Less than two percent. Less but yeah, two percent um, under. Yeah, but um, yeah, less than two percent of Americans are farmers, and I, I know between like two thousand six and two thousand like twelve or something like that, it decreased at a, like at a rate of almost five percent, which was kind of a lot, and it's decreasing even faster. So it's just you know we don't have a whole lot more to lose, and we can't afford to lose what yeah. we do have to lose. Exactly. Because if we lose all our farmers, then guess what? Our food goes with it. So, yeah. I think that you know, I think that there's a lot of truth to be said in the fact that we need to learn how to cooperate mm-hmm. better and use and use those diversities to an advantage. Yeah. So, well, I think that's it as far as the questions. I don't know if you have any other statements you want to make. Any any other comments? No. Nope. All right. I don't think so. All right. Well, uh, I'd just like to thank you for uh, coming on for oh, of course you know, joining our uh, episode and our discussion. It was a very yeah. interesting one. Um, yeah, I'd like to uh, just uh, thank all of our listeners for tuning in, and this is Hunter Seymour. Uh, once again, he's a uh, – are you a junior now? Yeah. You always so. catch me off guard. I always think you're a, a senior. Yeah, you thought I graduated. <laughs> I with thought, you. Yeah. Well, I thought when I met you, you were a freshman. I thought yeah. you were a sophomore because I was a sophomore. Yeah. <laughs> it just it threw me in a loop. Anyway, yeah, I'd like to thank um, Hunter here, who's a junior over at El Diamante High School in Visalia, California. Yeah. Um, if any of you know Hunter, make sure you tell him, you know, what's <laughs> up for being on this episode. Um, I'd like to thank all of our listeners once again. I'd like to thank all of our farmers out there for all the hard work they're doing. God bless the farmers. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so uh, thanks again. Make sure you check out all of our social media pages. They'll be down in the description below. Uh, if you're listening to this on YouTube, which right now is the only way to listen to it because it's still having issues getting on iTunes, we'll figure <laughs> it out one day. I promise you. Oh, one other announcement. We actually are going to have a live stream within the next two weeks, hopefully. Um, I'm going to be posting about it as soon as I figure out what date we're going to do it, but it's going to be kind of an interesting one. It's not going to be what we talked about before, because which, Hunter, you don't know this. We actually have this live stream planned out where we're going to have, because I have two co-hosts, and then Brandon Borba is another friend of mine. He's oh, okay. our honorary co-host. We're going to have a full-on panel, just us four, and it's going to be a call-in. You know, people calling in with questions or texting us questions, and we'll be sitting there answering them and having like a full-on discussion for, I don't know, two or three hours. Cool. So that might still happen, but everyone's going to college, so it's really hard to, to yeah. schedule a good time for that now. We, oh, yeah. we, sh- we should have got it done a couple weeks ago, but we just never did. Yep. So what's going to happen now is I'm planning on having a live stream with a friend of mine who's a vegan. Nice. <laughs> We're going to have um, about, I don't know, maybe a two-hour discussion. Same kind of thing. People are going to be able to call in with questions or, or text us with questions. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to have a general discussion about um, veganism, about animal rights possibly, which I know the guy is not a huge animal rights activist. He's more a vegan for environmental reasons. Yeah. Um, but we want to have this discussion because I want to bring in more people that don't necessarily agree with agriculture so we exactly. can get the you other need, side. You need the opposite standpoint. Right. I mean... You need to hear both sides of the argument to fully understand the problem. Yeah. No, I was listening to this guy, his name's Brandon Tatum. I don't know if you're familiar. He's um, he's a he's a black guy, and he's on YouTube and Facebook, and he live streams all the time. Okay. And he he's not super involved in politics. He used to be like a hardcore Democrat, and he recently switched to Republican because he's tired of Good what the him. Democrats are <laughs> doing. But yeah. um, one of the points that he made was he was mad about how his um, how his son was he his son went to a private school. And how his son, they didn't have an American flag in the classroom. 
but they had a flag for LGBTQ whatever association appreciation. They had their rainbow flag in there, so he that kind of got him ticked off. And so he went on this big rant about how he doesn't care if they teach him evolution as long as they teach him the opposing theory as well of, of religious creation. And exactly. you know, like you know, so I like I don't have a problem with people teaching one side or the other as long as you understand both sides. And yeah. that's why I wanted to hear. I want to bring in, you know, vegans and animal rights activists and anti-GMO people and organic people and the people who are more opposed to. That's why I brought in Carlton Jones, the former mayor of Tulare, because he was very opposed to um, what we stood for in terms of uh, pesticide use and in terms of ge- genetic modification and yeah. a lot of that stuff. So I wanted to have that discussion with him and, and figure out what he thought. So exactly, that'll be coming out in the next couple weeks. We'll have our, our vegan friend on here to talk about, you know. All of the things regarding environmental, uh, dietary, um, awesome. ethical, and, you know, whatever reasons people yeah. become vegan, he'll be obviously defending the vegan side. I'll be defending the agricultural side. Defend as well. <laughs> <laughs> and so we'll see how that goes. And it's not going to be like this full-on debate. It's more just kind of like a general open discussion. Yeah. So anyone that wants to join in can join in. It'll kind of just be you know, a, a pretty chilled out you know, afternoon. But I'll get more information on when that's going to be coming out, hopefully within the next two weeks and We'll, we'll work on it from there. So, awesome. once again, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. And don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer.